Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're not just stepping back in the ring. You're stepping back into a whole new ring with Replay Purview, the podcast that takes a new look at the old shows. This is not just Replay Purview. This is Replay Purview Multipass. Multipass. Yes, that is right. Welcome to the Two World Order. I'm your host, Brian Salisbury, the whole damn show, and I'm joined as per usual by my lucha brother from my actual mother, Kid Carnage himself, Blake. Booyaka, booyaka. That is very appropriate for this show, and I'm super excited to talk about why that's appropriate. It's one of the few things we'll talk about on the show ever that's deemed appropriate. But, of course, we can't continue without introducing the phenom that makes our show a three-nom. King of Brunch himself, Mr. Mimosa, Fancy Dan. Double, double, double episode. It's like one of those Oreo cookies. It's this double stuffed. Double stuffed with old wrestling pay-per-views. <laughs> so creamy. <laughs> I really wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> so deliciously awesome. Yeah, where we just we just lost our appropriate status from earlier in the episode, and by earlier I mean thirty eight seconds ago. Well, so congratulations, guys! <laughs> and now we, we have appropriate. An, uh, we have an unrated episode now, so we're great. <laughs> Rated E for everyone. Know the other thing. So, <laughs> if this is your first episode of Replay Preview, you are in for a completely revamped version of Replay Preview, and I'm sorry that this is where you're coming in, or. Good job for coming in here. I'm not exactly sure. This used to be the podcast that reviewed every single pay-per-view of the 21st century. Of course, I mean WWF. Yes, I said F because we are hashtag get the F in. But in an effort to sort of fast track our time traveling here and getting us through the to then, the kayfabe, the, the back now that we're talking about, we have decided to double up for the rest of 2002. And then once we get to 2003, we'll actually be covering the year in quarters you know the way your office does it, because that's always exciting, fiscal years and such. But this episode, we are covering both SummerSlam 2002 and Unforgiven 2002. So we're calling the episode Some Forgiven. Sit down, Clint Eastwood, and take that invisible person in the chair with you. That's not what I'm talking about. I didn't say Unforgiven. I said Some Forgiven. So the way this is going to work from here on out, whereas we used to talk about every single match on every single card... We're going to go through and list every match, sure, but we're going to pull out and highlight the matches that we think are most notable or the best. So there's going to be less, um, uh, how's the polite way to put soul-crushing detritus to kind of tread through. We're going to talk about the matches that we like and the ones that are the most noteworthy, and in so doing, not uh, want to destroy ourselves by slamming our heads into the keyboards. Gentlemen, are we all on board for this new format? Yes, we are going to skip the bad and talk about the good, and if you disagree, great, tell us why. Or don't. Or don't. But also an option. 
But uh, we have <laughs> we don't the care voice. if you have constructive criticism. Get out of here. <laughs> we have the voice, and you have the ear. So please listen up. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a great opportunity for us to get through things, to keep pushing that pedal to the metal, and get more wrestling done. That's what I love. We're going to watch more wrestling in a quicker succession. All right, so just putting on the blindfold and diving headlong into this quarry that we hope is full of water, let's talk about SummerSlam 2002. And now, Footlocker presents SummerSlam. SummerSlam 2002! The first match on the card is actually the first match we're going to talk about. It's Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio making his pay-per-view debut for WWE. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a one to remember specifically because Ray is uh, still wrestling today, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I actually think this match was a lot of fun, and I do think that they did a, a decent job uh, bringing Ray to the table, putting him not through the table. Bring, bring, I'm sorry, bringing him to the Rabel. The Rabel, yes, he is the Rabel. Uh, he has come into the the company, and it is uh. Apropos that we watch AEW right now, and he uh, is not a part of that company, but he isn't a part of a stable either, which is a big thing right now in both both companies. So he's brought in as himself, and uh, yeah, I thought this was a great great match between him and Angle. The first move he does in his first pay-per-view match is phenomenal, where he shows up to the ring behind Kurt Angle, jumps up on the top rope, jumps over Kurt Angle's head, and on his way over, grabs him with his legs and does a Hurricane Rana. Like... That is the way to introduce yourself to the WWE universe. Now, if you were watching wrestling at the time and you weren't a complete, like, you didn't have the blinders on where you only watched one company, you knew that Ray had been around for a while by this point. He's not a rookie coming into WWE. This is just his debut at this company, and it's a hell of a fucking debut. Mm-hmm. By, no, by no means. He's been, uh, you know, sitting at home with a WCW contract that, you know, he was one of the last uh, WCW wrestlers to kind of exist on that roster. And, you know, he kind of went all the way down to the very end in terms of the uh, the, the takeover and just didn't actually come over until now. So you remember that that last episode of Cheers where like Sam Malone leaves Cheers and turns off the lights. That was Rey Mysterio at WCW. Yes, he was the last guy out the door and shut the lights off. <laughs> it was. It truly did feel like that. And that's kind of, uh, I think, in a way, you know, we're still in this time frame of Vic McMahon not liking the, the WCW guys unless it's his guys. So the fact that he loses this match, not to jump to the gun a little bit, kind of tells me a little bit about, yes, he's he's still being respected to be brought in and, you know, given a match against Angle, but he's not going over yet. You know, that's a, still an interesting dilemma through, uh, through the WWE lifestyle at this time. Dan, as somebody who routinely makes people look short, how did you feel about this match in that Ray is the only opponent that's ever made Kurt Angle look tall? Right. I was about to say, uh, I've never seen Kurt look bigger uh, height wise. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it, he's a, he's a tiny, tiny man. Um, but uh, what he lacks for in size, he definitely makes up for in talent in, mm-hmm. you know, energy. Uh, this match was one of my favorite of the card. Um, and just to start it off that way, it was so, so impactful, um, having this kind of be the, the, the welcome Ray. Um, and I, I, I do love a good Kurt Angle match and just his versatility to be able to go up against big bruisers or people that do all the flippy shit. It's, I mean, oh my gosh, just a true professional. And this was, um, just one of the highlights. Um, so yeah, that was, that was great. And, you know, I did 
pick Kurt. So sorry, guys. Oh, yes. That's the other new thing about Replay Preview is that our King of the Cast game will now be cumulative. It'll be the combined score over all the pay-per-views we talk about on the episode. Uh, and I think in this one, Dan definitely picked Ray Mysterio. Blake, who did you and I go with? Oh, we went with Ray because we totally forgot that uh, Yeah, McMahon's not going to put a uh, new new guy over from WCW. He's it's not his guy. So, you know, Kurt... Uh, was the victor, and Dan was the only one that went with Kurt. So we're oh oh, that's right. Dan went with Kurt. So mm-hmm. he's one and zero, and we're zero and one. Congratulations, Dan! And before we move on to uh, the next chronological match on the card, I do have to say that mover Ray jumps over the back of the referee over the top rope to hit Kurt Angle on the floor below. I think we rewound that like five oh, times. Yes. It was so such good. a great spot. It was great, and uh, you know, seeing the luchador style wrestling in the WWE at this time was a little. Mm-hmm. It was new. It was a new thing to to behold uh, because it wasn't really done uh, up until that point. Which is so funny. I'm so used to you know watching AEW now, and that's so commonplace. And it's you know, it's it's a it's a good yeah, at least maybe not quite half, but like there's a lot of it going on in, in wrestling currently and just to kind of see the the founding you know father not founding father but you know just the newness of 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 it back then uh, it's it's interesting and it's it's very cool to kind of see how it was received our generation's founding father for sure um yeah and like i would probably put it at 30 to 40 percent of of most aew matches at least are, mm-hmm. are lucha based um so yeah definitely very much alive today the idea of Ray Mysterio being a founding father. Now I just went, Booyaka, Booyaka, 1776. It's like, wait, what? Is he in Hamilton? What's happening right now? <laughs> Ray and Hamilton would be absolutely appropriate. For sure. By the way, it helped that this crowd was hyped for this match. Holy yes. shit, were they? This They were both so over. It was incredible. Yeah, the first match on the card is certainly a... Uh, great position to put Ray in um, because it's the, it's the energetic type. It's the quick, t- you know what I mean? Like he's going to bring it alive very much like RVD uh, would in that, yep. in that yeah. scenario. The original Cardi starter, Mr. RVD, but I feel like Ray's giving him a run for his money in this pay-per-view. So well done there. And Kurt Angle does of course win by submission because that's Kurt Angle's thing right now is making people tap out he wins after nine minutes and 20 seconds. We went over the King of the cast results. So I will tell you that the next match on the card that we're not going to say too much about is Ric Flair versus Chris Jericho in a singles match because we're still in the Ric Flairico era for some reason. Uh, I don't get it. It's not really my favorite, uh, but that is another match that ends by submission after 10 minutes and 22 seconds. How this match is longer than the Rey Mysterio Kurt Angle match, I will never understand, even if it is only by a minute. But Blake, I know we're going to breeze past this one here in our new format, but let's go over the King of Cast results nevertheless. Sure. Uh, I guess you didn't like Flairco. Uh, that's that's a great tag team potential name that they probably will never do. Uh, but we all went with Chris Jericho on this one, uh, and the winner the winner was Ric Flair, uh, believe it or not. So we all missed out on that one. So we are o two o two, and Dan is one and one on that. Very wow. Very wow. So the next match on the card is Edge versus Eddie Guerrero in a singles match. This is one that I feel like all of us were like, yes, yes, give us these two. Give us Edge and Eddie Guerrero, two of the best guys in the company, just going at it in in a plain old singles match. Nothing on the line except pride. Let's get into it. Yes, absolutely. Edge versus Eddie Guerrero. Two uh, similar robust style wrestlers one kind of favors the 
uh, high-flying action, right, and kind of the quick style of your tables, ladders, and chairs variety. And then Eddie Guerrero is very flexible, very energetic, but does more of a Lucha-style-based uh, uh, setup and chain wrestling. So I think the Edge and Eddie Guerrero dynamic is such an interesting um, card matchup. Like, you are not going to go wrong with this, with, this, uh, with this setup. And I think the match did pull off quite a bit of fun. Um, what were your thoughts on it, Dan? Yeah, I really thought that you know their their styles definitely matched up well. Um, they were able to to do a lot of things that they really you know like like we've always said you know telling a story. And I think this is what Eddie's third pay per view back from injury or so. Um, you know he's he's kind of still. I think he's starting to really get get back into it. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I feel like he's like really getting into his stride and all the the rust has been knocked off. And 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 this was just yeah just a really great match to watch. So since our last recording, I learned of a derogatory insult used by wrestling pundits, uh, one in particular who is very old and crotchety, but uh, the term is spot monkey, which apparently is uh, something you call a wrestler who only does big high flying spots and is sort of all sizzle, no steak. Now, personally, I think it's a bullshit term because that's like saying someone can only do big spots as a wrestler is kind of like saying a quarterback can only throw touchdowns. It's like, okay, well, what the fuck else do you want them to do? And I'm starting to realize that the flip side of a spot monkey is kind of what we're having here with Edge and Eddie Guerrero, because while there aren't any big spectacular spots in this match, mm-hmm. it is a it is a clinic on how to tell a story in a match. And the story, which is, you know, again, they're dedicated to the storytelling. The, the story is that at the beginning of the match, Edge injures his shoulder. Now, I'm not sure if it was a work or if it actually was injured during the match, but Edge fighting through the shoulder injury and Eddie in turn trying to exploit that injury in a real old-fashioned heel type of way is just it was it was so tense and exciting to watch, even if they weren't flying off the top rope every five seconds. And I really have to commend them for that. I will say, as much as I was amped for this match, the first couple of spots are sloppy. And even Taz kind of calls out to this in the commentary where he says, you know, they're feeling each other out. They're feeling each other out, like really trying to kind of save them for botching the first couple of spots. Now, once they get into their rhythm, you know, and once they get that storytelling going, it is really awesome to behold. Yeah, I like how you put that. That and uh, um, just the kind of the reverse of the spot monkey that really makes uh, you know a lot of sense, and it, it kind of puts the finger right on what I was feeling. Whereas, you know, there wasn't that that whole lot of like up uh, highs and lows of the of the big action, but it was entertaining the entire way through. And I wanted to to at this you know when you brought up Taz to talk about a little bit of the pay per view dynamic um, that we may not have mentioned before. The commentating team is now rotating, right? On mm-hmm. as matches happen, they are matched up with uh, if they're on Raw or if they're on SmackDown. So Taz and Michael Cole are going to represent the SmackDown matches, and Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross are going to represent the Raw matches. So the Angle and um, Rey Mysterio match was clearly SmackDown, and this is this SmackDown as well, right? Because the Jericho and Flair would have been Raw. That, I believe Edge right? and Eddie. Yeah, no, you're right. It had to be Taz and Michael Cole because I'm calling out things that Taz said. So it had to be Taz and Michael Cole. Yes. So basically, those were going to be your, you know, the first the first match was SmackDown, second match Raw, now third match SmackDown. Um, so that's how it's kind of lined up there. And you can kind of see that the SmackDown roster, we may have mentioned this before, is heavily loaded and the Raw uh, not so much. So 
it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, in my capacity as host, I have already failed because I didn't tell you that SummerSlam taking place August 25th, 2002 at the NASA Veterans Memorial Coliseum in uh, Uniondale, basically Long Island, New York. One of the things I noticed as far as the production design is that uh, you know, they when they were first started splitting the brands and having pay-per-views, they would do a thing where like half the card was raw and then the other half was SmackDown. They do this very awkward sort of handoff of the commentating team. Well, if you notice, they've kind of come up with a, a new solution for that where Michael Cole and Taz stay at the ringside table and then JR and Lawler are set up at a table right by the entrance on the top of the ramp. And I couldn't get over it because while A, I do think it's a more elegant solution to the problem. It also very much reminds me of AEW setup. Yes, yes, exactly. It's a way of splitting your heavily loaded roster to uh, have two competing brands, as it were. I don't think that they really rev it up at this point, but it definitely, you start to see the parting of the seas, I think is kind of a good way of looking at it. Is, does the C stand for commentator? Because, yes, they <laughs> literally parted those seas for They sure. absolutely did absolutely pardon those seas and not to steal a bit from botchamania but uh insipid taz commentary incoming at one point edge didn't go for the pin right away and not thinking at all taz just starts screaming top him edge top him and i'm like you know if i close my eyes and listen to you say that it's not wrestling that i would imagine i'm watching or at least not professional wrestling it's a different kind of wrestling that's uh you have to go to some uh, search tabs to find, but it was. Just, and then later on, he said, uh, he, he said something else that was vaguely homoerotic, which I thought was funny. Uh, but yeah, this is a great match, and the finish is completely well earned. Uh, there are back-to-back finisher reversals, and after uh, eleven minutes and forty-seven seconds, we get Edge defeating Eddie Guerrero by pinfall. Absolutely, it's a great, it's a great chain combo one-two. You know, it's 11 minutes and 47 seconds, but it it goes. That match is paced very well uh, and, you know, not similar to the match before it, which goes kind of in a different direction with a longer, you know, storytelling type, you know, feigning injuries and doing the, the Ric Flair type style. Um, this match is a definite reversal of that, almost in a, uh, a pun type of way there. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, and this was not for a belt, but yes, Edge did go over Eddie Guerrero. So if we could look at King of the Cast and get up to speed with that. Oh, we're looking here. We got Eddie, uh, Edge and Eddie. So I went with Eddie. Uh, missed it again. Maybe I'm going for that sunset flip. Brian goes with Edge, gets that victory. And Dan picked Eddie as well. So we're looking at 0-3, and 1-2, and 2 and 1-2. and 2. So Brian and Dan are tied. And Blake is going for the sunset flip. I am an idiot. Now. The next match that we're, you know what I feel like we should do is we should call the matches that we're going to cover the main events and the matches we don't cover are the house shows. Oh, the next next house show we're going to talk about, so to speak, is a tag team match between the Un-Americans, Christian and Lance Storm against Booker T and Goldust for the tag team championship. And yes, the Un-Americans are still the tag team champions. This appears to be the theme of 2002 is sort of unworthy tag team champions. So we're continuing on with that trend. Depressing to think that you can't figure out what to do with the tag teams when you ju- you had like the pinnacle of tag teams just not even a year ago. And now you're fiddling around with the Un-Americans and, and Booker T and Goldust. Not to, not to hate on them, but it just doesn't seem like they give a shit. So... I'm they not going to give a shit don't. and cover this match. 
So agreed, and they give so little of a shit that they actually take one of the un-Americans and give him his own match against somebody else later on. We'll talk about that very briefly coming down the pike. But the un-Americans, after nine minutes and thirty-seven seconds, do defeat Booker T and Goldust by pinfall. The less said, the better. So Blake, how do we do in the King of the Cast? Um, y'all are not so great in this one. I thinking, well, you know, I'm gonna go for that sunset flip. I wouldn't think the un-Americans would win, but they certainly did. Uh, so I went with the un-Americans. So now my uh, sunset flip is ruined uh you both went with t gold booker t and gold dust so we're sitting all now at one and three we're all tied at that one and three marker we're kind of like an nfc east team we're great at this guys we are stellar actually AFC south all the time Hmm. uh more like nfc south because one of us is going to limp into a victory with a losing record so yeah that is entirely what's happening so for the next main event match, you might say, the one we're actually going to talk about is Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental Championship. Benoit, of course, a, a figure that's not easy to talk about uh, in hindsight, but we're going to do our best to be objective here. Comes in as the Intercontinental Champion against the whole damn show, Rob Van Dam. Gentlemen, thoughts on this match? There's not many people that can go up against any opponent. And I do think Benoit and our Rob Van Dam are those type of people. Like, I do think both of them can go up against any wrestler and put on a hell of a show uh, at this time. So, yeah, I think putting them together was was always going to be fun and interesting. But the way they kind of utilize again with Benoit's, you know, tactical Wolverine style uh, wrestling ability and Rob Van Dam literally being the Michigan Wolverine um, from Paddle Creek, Michigan uh it's it's a fun high flying quick reversal performance almost a little bit like edge and eddie but in in a more of intense uh high flying uh type battle from rob van dam and more technical uh uh with ben wall yeah they, this definitely had a lot more big spots from from rvd mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely you can tell that his that is his thing and maybe he is you know what what you referred to earlier but but damn i love it So I'm going to kind of blend together what y'all have said, much in agreement, but slightly less complimentary, because while revisiting this time, I had to ask myself, is this a good match or is it just a matchup of good wrestlers? And what I found is that while this match has a lot of the same methodic storytelling pace of the Edge versus Eddie Guerrero match, there's not as much story here. In fact, there's almost no story here, but they do have the spots. So while the other match didn't quite have those same spots, this one definitely does. I think it's a decent match for sure. It's just not quite as good as I would have hoped for. But I will say the best moments of the match are when RVD has the heat on Benoit, not the other way around. I don't have a good explanation for why this is, but it's just something that struck me. Um, Also, it should be noted that this is the only interpromotional match on the SummerSlam card because Benoit coming in as the champion is a SmackDown performer while Rob Van Dam, the challenger is raw. And this is literally the only match where two guys from opposing promotions are taking each other on. Hmm. Who's the commentating duo this time. Do you remember for that match? Did they do uh, a, uh, a Lawler and um, JR one for that? I feel like they did. I feel like it might've been Lawler and JR, but I don't, I can't remember with complete certainty, but I think you're right. Blake. Gotcha. Well, you've done it now. Uh, looking at the results, uh, we uh, let's see. Myself and Brian went with Benoit, and Dan went with RVD. So 
RVD going over Benoit. Looks like Dan now is a, ahead of us with uh, the two and three record there. Heart of a champion. Go by the way, going over uh, Rob Van Dam defeating Benoit after 16 minutes and 30 seconds, the Ooh. second longest match on the card. That's insanity. Uh, yeah, I I think up until this point we have a pretty solid card. Yeah, th- this is where we're going to get into kind of a, a house show parfait, where literally <laughs> we, we've so far talked about pretty much every other match on the card, and that's continuing because remember last pay-per-view, Vengeance, Undertaker was in the main event for the title. The term fall from grace is batted around a lot these days, but I feel like when you go from being in the main event for the title to taking on test, that's an enormous fall from grace, but that is the under tester situation of the next singles match that we're not really going to talk about. And it's irritating that test is part of the un-Americans who literally are Vince thinks are so popular that two of their guys get a, a tag team championship match. And then the third guy gets his own singles match against the undertaker. It is the pinnacle of dunderheaded booking and just two guys who could not be less over are going up against each other in a singles match that for some inexplicable reason lasts eight minutes and 18 seconds. And even as the shortest match on this card still felt too long. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't, didn't Taker have this exact kind of like fall from grace, like a year, a year and a half ago, like he was up for the title, didn't get it. And then like was immediately taking on like uh, Raven or something like that. Or no, it was Maven. It was he's Maven. Like, it was after the Royal Rumble. Yeah. yeah like yeah, he yeah. was up for the main event and then he's now in, in a Maven feud, which oddly enough, we haven't seen him in a bit, but anyway, like, yeah, it's just like, is this, this guy's track now? Is this what he's become? Yes. He's an all or nothing type of guy. You either book him to be the, the head guy in the company or you book him against hashtag justice for Maven. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, but again, this is a this is not a good match. Undertaker goes over, of course he does. Uh, Blake, how did we do in King of the Cast? Well, with the King of the Cast, uh, we all went with Taker because we are not that stupid, uh, and we <laughs> are sitting at two and four for me and Brian, and Dan's still in the lead at three and three. Well done there, Dan. Now for the next main event match here, this is a biggie. This is a biggie for a couple of different reasons. This is Shawn Michaels versus Triple H in an unsanctioned street fight. Now don't let them fool you. It's unsanctioned, but there's still a referee, commentators, uh, and uh, and a winner. So I'm not sure how this is not sanctioned. <laughs> this was not allowed to be allowed, and it was. Precisely. Now it's, it's notable for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one being, of course, that Triple H and... Shawn Michaels, our longtime friends, founders of Degeneration X. So the feud between them is so inexplicable that they actually have to go into an old bag of tricks. And once again, it's Triple H assaulting someone with or around a car and then being revealed as the culprit after the fact, even though this time he didn't hide it quite as well. It's another one of those who attacked him with the car. Oh, it was Triple H. And then course they're feuding now of course the the bigger reason that this is a big deal is that sean michaels has not wrestled since 1998 due to a back injury that literally forced him into early retirement and having to abdicate a title so this is a huge deal to see him back in the ring i'm not gonna talk about this match until i hear from you guys what your thoughts were but brian is dead on this is a huge match and for a lot of different reasons but solely because we haven't seen hbk wrestle since 98 like bringing up all of the the build up to this match, you know, Dan, I'm kind of particular about your opinion because you have been coming from a world of 
no Michaels in this in this wrestling journey so far. With right, us. exactly. So that's that's where I think we when we were talking trying to decide if we were going to talk about this one or not. I was under the opinion of no, I'm I'm fine not talking about it because uh, in my my history, I I I think I had seen him once before as a guest referee. And I was, when he came out, I was like, wait, isn't, is that who, who's that? <laughs> you know, cause I, I didn't have that experience. I, I came into this after he had already gone, you know? And so like the, 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 the history wasn't there for me. The, the kind of the, the drive for this feud and why it was such a big deal uh, just through ignorance, you know, wasn't there for me. So it wasn't, it was, it was just another match where triple H was, kind of boring and i mean Shawn michaels was good he was wrestling in in jeans which is impressive it's um, insane it's but, insane that he's wearing jeans. he goes from being the heartbreak kid to the dong chafe kid right no but it was it was a weird match and and like i knew i was missing something so i i think that detracted from my enjoyment of the match but um but yeah now it was another triple h match and i just it's getting getting a, a little bit repetitive like you're saying with the same same shtick that didn't work in the first place. I loved it. Uh, I It's funny. I was kind of okay with it the first time we watched it. And then going back again and, and really like digging into it. I thought this was a very smart match. I think the way they did things, uh, it played to their strengths as well as their weaknesses. Like the fact that, that HBK is coming back from, you know, almost a life ender in ending back injury and still taking these kind of bumps like this match goes on for 27 minutes. And in that Jeez. time, it becomes its own tables, letters and chairs matches. There are chair spots. There are ladder spots and table spots, all of which are pretty much taken by HBK. Like he is really going for it. And yet at the same time, they they make it a street fight so that they can really let the props do a lot of the work to hide his limitations. So I thought it was really smartly structured. I thought the crowd was super into it. I thought there was some real drama here. I really dug the hell out of this match. Yeah. The story element, um, was the cream of the crop to me with this, with this, uh, with this match and just the buildup overall. Uh, I don't feel like we get a lot of that today. Um, with the direction of wrestling, there was a lot of personal shit in this, uh, uh, buildup and in the storyline and, you know, HBK and Triple H are friends, and you can clearly tell based on the click and all those stories of the past leading up to this moment. Um, but I still feel like there's that extra uh, flavor added in by both HBK and Triple H to kind of put their stamp on this match. And, you know, just the, the you know, wine you can age and it becomes like a fine wine, right? I don't know what the phrase is. Like age, like you fine mean wine. aging, like fine wine. Yeah, literally putting it together as I'm talking, it's great. You trying to get that expression was like somebody trying to throw HBK over the top rope in a Royal Rumble, and him like hanging on and flipping back in. It's like you almost had it, and then that expression like flipped back on you. I'm an apropos, that is for sure. Um, <laughs> I love this match because Shawn Michaels is like the indestructible man. It is ridiculous the shit that he goes through and the amount of blood in this match is just crazy. Like Triple H is just bleeding profusely and HBK somehow self heals himself during the match. It's very bizarre. He terminators a lot in this match where he gets knocked down and you think, oh my God, that's going to be it. He just pops right back up. 
like like nothing actually hurts him and it's great because you know they're friends blake mentioned this you know they're friends if for no other reason than the fact that triple h lets the old guy go over him that's how you yeah. know that he loves him and yet still and still even though it's his best friend and he's letting him go over he still has to get the last laugh in the match and put hbk in the hospital after the match is over but i will say someone who struck while the iron is hot was earl hebner clearly knowing that triple h was going to let hbk go over and was feeling gracious decides to have a moment where he gets in triple h's face and starts shoving him and yelling at him and i'm like oh hebs oh you're gonna die bro yeah he's getting involved in some shit and you're like damn he's taking this personally and now it's earl hebner versus triple h and hbk now i'm just playing it's uh <laughs> it's a hell of a match and yeah like you said triple h had to get the last laugh uh it's the start of something beautiful i would think because if hbk can do this I'm telling you, this is just the start. I, I am excited to see where it goes. Yeah, maybe I need to go back and rewatch the match because you guys definitely saw stuff that I I did not. So, yeah, more power to you. That's 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 why we watch the matches, and that's why when we're we're when we're going through the card, we do a simple two thirds majority yep. on which matches we're going to pull out and which ones we're just going to gloss over. Yep, absolutely, pulling out like the couch. Uh, we looking at the results. I went with HBK. Uh, you both went with Triple H. So strangely, I am now tied for the lead with three, four, like Dan is, and Brian is sitting at two and five. So we are going to go into the final card with potentially a tie uh, or a uh, a flipperoo. So for the main events, or wait, that's not how we do it. The actual main event. The main event. Which is a sound bite, so you don't have to do it live, but that's okay. The main event. <laughs> okay, we'll do it live. <laughs> he just said you don't have to. <laughs> but I appreciate the enthusiasm nonetheless. This is the Brock and Rock connection. This is Brock Lesnar versus The Rock for the WWE Undisputed Championship. And Brock Lesnar, how long has he been in the company? Like four months? And he's already like competing for the title against the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, Mm -hmm. it goes to show two things. One, if you want to push a new wrestler, the best way to do it is have him go up against the rock. Easy peasy. It's as as easy as poontang pie. The other thing is that they fucking love Brock Lesnar from day one. Like we thought we on this show in the timeline of our podcast, charted the meteoric rise of Kurt Angle, Mm -hmm. how he comes into the company and within a year is the champion within a year. Brock Lesnar does it in the span of a few months. This is the fastest I've ever seen someone be like, not just not just brand new to this particular company, but new to wrestling at all have this kind of push. It's insane. And at the same time, you understand why Brock Lesnar is still a guy that main events WrestleMania to this fucking day. Mm hmm. He's an incredible athlete, and the dude is a freak of nature. Like, his stature alone, when he comes into the building and then comes at, down the ramp, right? A Taz starts saying the uh, the moniker, well, here comes the pain, and I can hear that every time that his music hits. You can hear the t-shirts being printed as he yeah, says that. <laughs> it's very much the aggression, uh, ruthless aggression era uh, phrase. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. such a, it's such a coin phrase. Also, the balls on Brock Lesnar to never change his entrance music for two fucking decades. Astounding. Yeah, don't need to. It's perfect. It's a perfect 
get I, I listen to it when I work out. Hell yeah. It's a it's a pump up song. Um and this match, like you said, The Rock is so into this match and letting Brock go over. I think one of the biggest glaring things in this match is the fans. The fans react They have no idea what to do with themselves. By the way, this is a bipolar audience that has no idea they are so in their feels, they don't know how to process their emotions, and it's yeah. incredible to watch. I don't know. I'm almost positive that everybody was saying, let's go Brock, Rocky sucks. I know that you're going to hear, let's go Rock, Brock sucks, but like it doesn't, you can tell that the fans are behind Brock. And that right, is. But, but they're also chanting Rocky, Rock. So, yes, immediately we get Rocky suck chants. But then we hear Rocky, Rocky. And then we hear uh, clap, 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 let's go Lesnar. And then Lesnar sucks. This, this, this crowd is so divided. It's insane. You always will have, like, history repeats itself, especially in wrestling. Oh, my God, it does. But you'll have those moments of, you know, you guys aren't aware of Super Cena yet, but you'll have these moments of the fans going against who the babyface is. And it's a, it, there, are, there are moments when you're like, oh, shit, this is the next guy. This is the next, the next up-and-coming dude because you can tell the fans are behind him. You know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Hogan and Rock um, crowd reaction was a little different in terms of a buildup, but this, the, this, the type of energy that you get when somebody gets behind or the fans get behind a wrestler, right. In a match, you can just feel it. You can feel the victory coming and against the rock of all people. That's crazy. I mean, that's where I'm like putting my hat on this match is one of the best that I've seen, um, in, in terms of having a baby face kind of take a knee and allow Brock to to rise to the monster that he is and, and take on the champion. I mean, he's the youngest at this time ever to hold the belt. Right? Incredible. Yeah. But I will say I'm impressed with how much... I mean, I expected The Rock to sell for Lesnar and really... Because that's what The Rock does is he puts people over. He's, he's the best. He's a very unselfish performer despite how popular and charismatic he is. But I was... I was impressed by how much Brock was selling for rock as much as rock was selling for Brock. That was a very confusing sentence, but <laughs> it is true that it happened. Like Brock Lesnar would like, he'd get smacked like the rock would do his spit in his hand and do his third smack. And Brock Lesnar would launch himself over that top rope in a way that is a little bit absurd for a man, his size, but he, he was in it just like the rock was. And like, really there was a lot of, I felt it was palpable, the level of respect in that ring and Heyman on top of that is doing some like top tier uh, like valet heel interference work. And you've got like Brock Lesnar doing the rock bottom on the rock, which is, of course, one of my sweet spots is guys doing their finishers on each other. And it's just it's just an awesome, awesome match. You put a match like that today in AEW, it would still be a top, top tier match. That's This match mm-hmm. transcends time. It really does. You could put it up against any match and it's going to it's gonna succeed. It's it's just, uh, it's too sweet. It really is too sweet. Dan, what are your thoughts on Brock Lesnar and specifically this match about? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys said it all. It's it's such a good match. Um, just the, it's kind of a, a passing of a, of a torch of sorts. You know, you've got the Rock, you know, doing what the Rock does and selling 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 out for for the new guy, um, and just really putting him over. You know, and it's it's impressive uh, just what they are able to do in that ring together. And it, and it's fun. It was fun. There's such a need after Stone Cold left to have somebody else come in and take that 
that torch and it's you know fun to me that it's not going to be triple h and it's fun to me that it's not going to be taker and that we're doing mm -hmm. this you know there's a lot of opportunities for this roster and you know frustration or not this was the right move this was the this was the best call for the uh the time in, in my mm -hmm. honest opinion it feels weird to say it now because we are you know we're, we're also watching current uh wwe work but like to think that at the time it was such an injection of new blood and new energy to have Brock Lesnar like this for crowds at the time must have been a huge go home moment. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe that this rookie toppled the rock. And this is like such a big moment. And I'm really understanding why SummerSlam 2002 gets so much praise as one of the best SummerSlams of all time. Cause they really did put a good roster together. Yeah. Uh, and before we get, of course, to the bottom line for this, Blake, how did we, how do we wrap up here for the King of the cast? Uh, SummerSlam? before we get to the King of the cast, I just wanted to, to, mirror what you said and echo what you said that this was actually in the books it goes down as the most well-received shows ever in the company history 99.7 percent thumbs up uh from observer readers uh from dave Meltzer's report um looking back on all of the match ratings from the the Meltzer report he put this match at 4.25 stars i do think that's a little too low in my opinion based on looking backwards uh, Michaels and Triple H, he had 2.25 stars, which I guess he didn't see the momentum in that. Uh, he had Undertaker test three and a half stars. He literally put that above Rob Van Dam and Chris Benoit. Um, so a little strange there. And then he also enjoyed the Ric Flair and Chris Jericho match. So clearly we have a little bit of differences of this, uh, this card in terms of what we preferred, but still such a solid card. So looking at the final match, I went with The Rock, and you all went with Brock, which means that me and Dan tied four and four, and Brian is coming up behind with three and five, but we do not finish with this card. Not in the new format. No, no. We are going to the next card. So, Brian, what are our final thoughts on SummerSlam 2002? I mean, let me ask you guys this. Does it seem fair to still do a bottom line if we're not talking about all the matches, or does it still seem fair to do it because when we make our final determination about the quality of a pay-per-view, we're really only thinking about its best. You know what I mean? We're judging the pay-per-view by its best moments. What do you guys think about that? We didn't really talk about that before we started this thing. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. I think it's still pretty fair to do the bottom line. Like if there are more matches we don't talk about, than than we do, then I think that speaks a great deal to the quality of the pay-per-view in, in total. Um, whereas if Fair we point, are spending a lot of time talking about a lot of the matches, you know, that's the, the inverse and that tends to be a better receive. So I think, I mean, so we may not be talking about them, but I think us not talking about them also says a lot. So yeah, let's not confuse the RPV universe. We are still watching all of these pay-per-views. So for that's me, we, we got to give them the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. The bottom line never changes, and you got to do it per pay-per-view. Because if I'm a listener, I'm curious not about the package of the pay-per-views that we're covering, but each one, right? The flavor of each one. And we can get through them pretty quick, but I think it'll be pretty important to do that. All right. In that case, 9 out of 10 West Coast Pops for SummerSlam 2002. I would think 9 out of 10 Brocks, because I'm a huge Brock uh, fan at this point. And I'm going to go with a double, double, double... Nine out of ten. Ooh, <laughs> the triple nines, the triple H's. Yeah, I mean, it's just on a whole. It was so good. I can't give it a ten just because there were a couple of 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 you know, it's no no pay per view is going to be perfect. So let's not pretend there. But yeah, I mean, this is 
just one of the best, funnest experiences that we've had kind of so far. All right. Well, the first of the the couplet here on this episode has been completed. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to get into Unforgiven 2002. Stick around until the final bell. We'll return after these messages. Maven, tough enough champion, WWF superstar, living proof that dreams really do come true. Tough enough to 13 new competitors chasing a dream. Tough enough to the season premiere tonight. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. It's time to talk about the other side of this two-world order, and this is Unforgiven... Castro GTX presents WWE Unforgiven. Too much is not enough. 2002, September 22nd, in the Staples Center in the city of Angels. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn everyone listening we will not be calling out as many matches on this <laughs> card as we did for SummerSlam. No, because this uh, pay-per-view is like a pendulum sh- uh, shift. We go from amazing to, uh, please, please go back the other way. Uh, so, yes, very uh, interesting. Yeah, and I think it's also to note on this, uh, most of the matches that we are going to talk about are we're going to talk about mainly because of the, I guess, the the kind of the storyline or the, it's not about the quality of the match, but kind of what it what it represents <laughs> in the, in the timeline. Um, yes. Yeah, this is a, this one was, well, we'll get there. <laughs> Imagine you're at a restaurant and the first thing they serve you is a perfectly cooked prime rib. It is juicy. It is moist. So tender. It's one of the best cuts of meat you've ever had. But then the second course is a bowl of room temperature piss. Because that's really the difference that we're going for here between SummerSlam 2002 and Unforgiven 2002. But in terms of the importance of this pay-per-view, since SummerSlam, the belts have been split. The, the championship belt has been split into the heavyweight championship and the WWE championship. Now, that is important because it's an element that, of course, still exists in the company today. And this is the origin of that moment, which I think is fantastic. Now, you might be thinking, well, who who won some epic tournament or some kind of eliminator series to determine who the first WWE championship would be? Because obviously, <laughs> if they're creating a new championship, they're not just going to hand it to somebody. It has to be. Er- I'm sorry, what? 
they are just going to hand it to somebody. Well, obviously, it's going to be somebody who is paying their dues and really coming up. It's wait, it's just Triple H again. They just handed the belt to Triple H. Guys, they just handed this belt to Triple H and said, you are the WWE champion because I... When you whittle down the championship to the vegetable and, and salad trays that Triple H has in his locker room, like it's like a foregone conclusion that's going to... Ha- like, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. And the fact that Bischoff is involved in it just makes it that much like... Like, ugh. Like, just a very foul feeling to to watch and witness that as the uh was that like what raw right like the four raws in between it was just like yeah. a train wreck and you're like what in the hell is happening you're diminishing the the belts can both everything it's just it's yeah. it's your championship belt regardless of if it's the main one or the 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 smackdown one or whatever you do that to any build it's bad but the main one are you kidding no, I get, and I get that people listening are going to be like, what's the big deal? Wrestling is all predetermined. What does it matter? Who's the champion? I get that. But just like when I'm watching any bad movie, it's about internal consistency. If you establish what the rules are, no matter how absurd they may be, I will go along with you as long as you play by your own rules. This is kayfabe not playing by its own rules. Because according to kayfabe, these belts are like the highest prize in this industry. And if that is the case... Why would you just create one and hand it to somebody like a like a literal participation trophy? Like it makes absolutely no sense. You're breaking your own rules. You're breaking your own kayfabe, and it's complete bullshit. Just so that the guy who is one of the head bookers, head writers at the time, can get his knob polished by himself. Like it's just it's self filating to an extent that is just everything I've hated about Triple H for a long time on the show rearing its ugly head again. It's basically giving, it's like uh, if a sports federation would give a um, a big market city a first round or second round buy just because of who they are. Like, it's just completely just stupid. Like, it's just something that you would never do. I'll tell you what it is, Blake. It's like in addition to the Super Bowl, they invented the stupendous bowl. But instead of having two teams play in it, they just handed a trophy to Brady. Yeah. You'd be like, wait, what the fuck? Well, then what was the point of this? This is just... This is just to like fillet him in front of everybody again. Like a guy who already has everything, you're giving him more just because his ego needs to be stroked. That's exactly what this situation is. Yeah, I think it, it cheapens the whole the whole the having gold. Just it yep. doesn't matter anymore. You just give it to whoever you want. I mean, it's such a uh, uh, back and forth pendulum in terms of good stuff and bad stuff right now, but the mm-hmm. amount of crap storylines that are filled up in between both shows and both pay-per-views is just you know we have hla which is if you don't know yeah we're we're gonna talk yeah it's just terrible shit right billy and chuck all that crap like it's just stuck in this muck and then to have this on top of it it just feels like we're watching wwe in the mud and it's just not pleasurable there is one match in particular the tag team match on this card that if Stephanie McMahon's champions lose, she has to participate in something Bischoff is literally referring to multiple times as hot lesbian action or HLA. And the stink of HLA and that angle hangs over this show like a toxic fart cloud. And they just keep referring to it and referring to it. And the thing that really pisses me off is they even stage a fake protest outside by women who think that it's degrading. 
just so that when they inevitably get real protests to how incredibly homophobic this is, they can confuse people into thinking that's a work as well. It's basically the fake news thing of like, if we create a protest, then when, when we get actual protesters, no one's going to notice. That's entirely why they did that. I can guarantee fucking to you. And it's just disgusting. And on top of everything else, Rey Mysterio's first match, first match of SummerSlam, really kicked it off well, really brought him into the spotlight immediately. And then what do they have him doing the very next pay-per-view? The Sunday Night Heat house show with him and Chavo Guerrero. That should be on this card. That should not be a house show. That should not be Sunday Night Heat. That should be on this fucking card. You get There's four or five matches you could take off this card and replace it with that one. So everything about this pay-per-view from the booking on down is wretched. So... Just to kind of move through this, the first match that we're not going to talk about is an eight-man tag team match. Booker T, Bubba Ray Dudley, Goldust, and Kane is back, whoop-de-fucking-do, against the Un-Americans, Test, and William Regal. So, yeah, uh, nine minutes and 59 seconds. The the good guys win. Booker T, Bubba Ray, Goldust, and Kane. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, Meltzer liked this match a little bit more than we did, but yeah, in minutes, I don't. Don't don't ask me. That's what's on the, the card. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah, it's just that's it. That's all it is. It's the 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 baby faces go over and the un-Americans do not. So and King of the Cast results are the King of the Cast results. As I switch to Unforgiven, uh, we had some split differences. I went with the un-Americans like Dan did, and Brian went with the Booker T, Bubba Ray Dudley, Goldust, and Kane. Uh, so Brian's sitting at one and zero, and we are sitting at zero and one. So Dan, we got some work to do. All right. The next match that we're definitely not going to talk about is uh, Flarico Part Two, as Chris Jericho takes on Ric Flair. This time for the Intercontinental Championship. So I guess there's something on the line. Uh, and this time Jericho does win by submission after six minutes and sixteen seconds, the second shortest match on the card. Um, this this whole thing of continuing to include Ric Flair twenty years ago in uh, in matches i just i don't understand it it doesn't work for me it seems like they just they just hit the old uh, bingo ball kind of uh, tosser and they pull somebody's name out you're going up against flair it's like ah oh, god damn it it's my turn this is not the rick flair show jericho has served his time admirably and it's time for him to move on to a real opponent and it's time for us to move on to a real match but first of course the king of the cast results well and i, I must say just quickly it, it seems like jericho's kind of had a, a fall from grace too because he's also one that was up for a belt and then is now slumming it with flair but yeah let's get let's get it onto that <laughs> those results the results are uh i went with rick flair and y'all went with jericho so i'm sitting at zero and two for this pay-per-view and uh brian is sitting at two and oh uh both correct and dan is now at one and one and I am working on tallying uh, both cards, Brian, as I think. I already, already did that. Don't oh, worry about it. Okay, perfect. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I want to just talk about this specific pay-per-view when I'm talking about 1 and 2, 3 and 0, oh, and 1 and 2. So please keep that in mind. Fair enough. Now, the first actual what we call a main event match that we're going to talk about, which means we're going to talk about it, is Eddie Guerrero versus Edge Part Duh. Duh. Yes, duh. And I'm totally down for this, duh. Now, I, I will say that they, they're kind of continuing the story. This time, instead of a shoulder injury, Edge is coming off a quote-unquote concussion, which I hope is a work. But if you know anything about what was going on in the WWE at the time, 
he could have just been wrestling with a concussion. It's yeah. entirely possible. Well, he's done it before. Yeah. And this is a, another methodical face versus heel clinic being put on by two guys at the top of their game. They come out much sharper. I felt like there wasn't that period of like kind of feeling things out and, and having a couple sloppy spots at the beginning. Like they really do come out razor sharp. Uh, there, there are intense bursts of energy in the match to balance out sort of these long deliberate uh narratives of brutality which i thought was a slight change from the first match but really gave it its own distinct flavor and uh yeah what a really good match one of my favorite i don't know if it's a cliche or trope in, in matches and you can make it look really really good and eddie does but it's the foot on the rope uh when you need mm-hmm. to kick out and you can't there's just something sweet about it, but Eddie makes it so fucking good, and he does it in this mm-hmm. match. Yeah, he's he's absolutely fantastic. Did you guys like this one better than the the previous one, or was it was it not as good for you for you guys? I personally like this one better because the finish is epic. It's a sunset flip power bomb to win the match. Like Guerrero pins Eddie with that. And I think a sunset flip power bomb is one of my favorite things. Like I just, just I honestly, you're going for a sunset flip right now in this one. Don't worry about it. That's so uh, (laughs) not fair, but true. I believe Blake meant Guerrero pins edge, not Guerrero pins Eddie, unless he's playing mortal Kombat. and no, no, no. He pins himself versus Aerie. Yes. Okay. Very good. Eddie. I, I will say that, um, this one, it's funny. You say that Blake for me, this was like a sequel that's not quite as good, but is still entertaining. I don't have a lot of complaints about this match. I just I did something different than I normally do because I knew this was the only sequel that we were going to be covering from one card to the other. When I watched Eddie versus Edge the in SummerSlam, I didn't finish the SummerSlam matches. I went immediately to this one and Unforgiven to compare them directly. And what I found is that they're both really good matches. I just thought that this one didn't quite get to the point of the first one. Like, I'm not even really casting aspersions on it. Like, it's not it's not any kind of uh, detriment to this match to say that. But I felt like this was sort of the diehard two of rematches. Like, it's a sequel that's not quite as good, but still very entertaining. That's a good comparison. I could I could see that. And I, But you make me... You just basically said that I like Die Hard 2 better than Die Hard, and that's not true. Because I, I mean, like this match better than... You <sighs> said it. Well, I uh, I digress. Yeah, I think I, I, I like what, you, what your point was there, Blake, with the, the slightly bigger spots, and I think that appealed to me more. I think that's my the style of wrestling that gets me a little bit more gets me a little bit more amped. Um, so I, I think this one slightly beat out the other one, but I, I totally see what what both of you are saying on that. I think it's just two great wrestlers doing what they do best, and 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 both were um, definitely worthy of being talked about on on each each card. So. Well, the eyes have it, and it looks like D2 is better than D1. The eyes have it, the eyes have it, the eyes have it, the eyes have it. How can the same match happen to the same wrestler twice? All right, so king of the cast results, Blako. Looks like we are at, uh, oh, sorry, we, Brian and me went with Eddie, and uh, Dan went with Edge, so we are sitting at 1-2. and two. Brian's at a perfect 3-0, and oh, and Dan is at 1-2 and two as well. Brian, you are looking solid, bud. Mm-hmm. This 
it's kind of uh, irritating that this is the now that we've decided to bundle everything together i have the best performance in king of the cast that i've ever had but no big deal <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and move on to the next match we're not talking about the next house show you might say three minute warning which is jamal and rosie with rico going up against billy and chuck this is of course the tag team match that determines if the hot lesbian action happens the less said the better although i did just find out blake rosie is apparently roman reigns's older brother i did not know this Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Rosie is not Umaga. That is Jamal. Rosie is is not Umaga. What does that mean? You will find out later. It's salmon skin roll. Ah, salmon skin roll. You will find out later. But if we do not want to uh, uh, pull the curtain back quite yet, but you will recognize that name later on. Am, am I confusing which one was? No. 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 You were absolutely brother? okay. You are absolutely uh, correct. Um, uh, they've both also unfortunately passed on. I've learned both Jamal and Rosie. So yes. uh, RIP to them. But this is a six minute, 38 minute tag team match. Uh, Jamal and Rosie do win, which means the hot lesbian action thing happens, which just to give you guys context, turns out to be uh, a very hideously ugly woman comes out. To, and by hideously ugly woman, I mean, obviously Rikishi in a wig uh, comes out to the ring, makes out with Stephanie and then puts the uh, the the sweet chin music on Bischoff and then the stink face. And isn't that great? Isn't that what we were going for all along? Hey guys, we're not homophobes because we had this, this swerve plan the whole time, even though the rest of this segment was entirely homophobic. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to move on from this because it's bullshit. It's cheap. That's heat. all we need to say about that. It's cheap. Heat. TNN at the time hated it. Didn't want it. And the WWE basically like did this weird swerve. Like, see, we weren't going to do it. Yeah. It's disgusting. Stupid poo poo on you. Uh, the next match that we're not going to talk well, about. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Still need to do the King of Kaz results, Ooh, though. My bad. My bad. But we all went with Jamal and Rosie, and we were all correct Amundo. So I'm at two and two. Brian, still strong and champion uh, at four and zero. And Dan uh, in the hunt with me as well at two and two. All right. And the next match is also going to be a house show for us, which I know a lot of people are going to find difficult to swallow because it is for the heavyweight championship. It's Triple H versus Rob Van Dam. And I know one listener in particular is screaming at us right now for not (laughs) calling this match out. Hi, Michael. Uh, But again, I have a big problem with the company just saying, hey, we've got a new championship belt and here you go, Triple H. So I don't really care about this and i would care about it if this match was better but i thought the match was just kind of ho-hum to begin with because triple h and van damme not really compatible wrestlers i'm sorry this goes 18 minutes and 17 seconds the second longest match on the card and it did not need to be so triple h of course wins and retains his uh donated title so uh whoop-de-doo Triple H show. Just a validation, or I think it was an attempt to validate his his having the title. Rob Van Dam deserved better. It's certainly uh, across the board that we pick Triple H, and I and I do think for Michael uh, and everybody else who who likes this match, I understand it's it's definitely a taste thing. But like when 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 that match is like it is critically acclaimed, it's like what is it three and a four star? Okay, not critically acclaimed, but three and a four stars is not bad. Uh, but that's an interesting, not bad match, but not enough where we're going to cover it. <laughs> Moving on to the next match, we actually have the women's division back on the the card, which is good to see. Uh, Molly Holly versus Trish Stratus for the uh, the women's championship. Now, by the way, we haven't had a women's championship match on a pay per view since King of the Ring. Like that's kind of crazy to me. Like, do they haven't even bothered to put it on? any of the cards since king of the ring and here i gotta say 
Trish Stratus and Molly Holly seem to be aware of that and have a seem to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder about it because they don't only go they not only go for it in this match they go all out they are both mm-hmm. being super gymnastic super athletic super violent to each other like it is a really great match yeah it, is. it doesn't have any of the cheap stuff that makes it makes it like cringy like it's None it's it. all the wrestling is all just high quality wrestling and it makes it one of the, i would say the best match on the card um tied for maybe the best match on the card but it was just a phenomenal match and i wish lawler would die i'm sorry <laughs> he just had a stroke so i don't wish he yeah i was like that, uh, but, just that back a little bit yeah but i just need him to stop talking well sorry he just had a stroke i can't say that either um, <laughs> scale it anyway. a little bit more back yeah it's a little bit more <laughs> but no it was, our bicycle it was a fantastic, is going backwards i wonder why yeah right fantastic match and i really appreciate it and 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 it's a shame. It's a shame that they don't do ma- women's matches more often because I know that that they've got quality there. They just don't ever use it. Not to read ahead, listeners, but I did look at the card uh, that we're going to have to be picking winners for. Shame on you. of No Mercy, and it is like none of these are even championship matches, and none of the women wrestlers, uh, other than Trish Stratus really kind of deserve to be on the card so it feels like just like blake said every time we take a step forward and do something right we immediately have to undo that and that's going to continue that's going to be a trend that continues uh but trish stratus does in fact defeat the champion molly holly to become the new wwe women's champion after five minutes and 46 seconds because even if it's good women wrestling we don't respect it enough to not make it the shortest match on the card yep and it, it it, this match was not uh, favored in uh, Meltzer's ratings at one and a four stars. However, I do think the importance of having a women presence in this era, I know we're struggling still. Uh, I still think it's important. And that's probably why we're going to cover it more than the Triple H and Rob Van Dam match. So it- I'm sorry. Did you say Meltzer gave this one and a quarter stars? Yes. That is fucking insulting. Well, Give me a break, it's Meltzer. It's five minutes and 46 seconds. Not a, not as long as you would hope, but I agree. That's extremely harsh to this match. Yeah, but like having, a, yeah, I understand having a problem with there not being enough there, but like how in God's name is that the performer's fault? When you give a match like this one and a quarter out of four stars, like that's a slap in the face. Like fucking do better, Meltzer. Yeah, and I also think like in comparison to what the matches were, what you were getting as like, man, I would, you know, recognize when when something is better than it has been in the past, and that that match was yep. way better. So, you know, it fares fair. I'm sure there are others that agree, but I disagree. And looking at the results of King of the Cast, uh, Brian and I went with the Trish Stratus faction. Dan went with Molly Holly. So again, Brian still uh, perfection in a nutshell, uh, six and zero, oh, and I'm at four and two, and Dan is at three and three. And we are moving on to the top uh, of the card. The bottom of the card. Yeah, we're going to be covering. Well, the bottom of, but also we. This is our. This is the three streak uh, where we're actually covering three matches in a row. The next being Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle in a singles match. And uh, yeah, this is um, this is an interesting match because for a while it goes full Greco Roman. Mm-hmm. Incredible. It was wildly entertaining. Um, this is the other one. This this is a one-two punch that I enjoyed. Um, it just the the way that these two could match each other's styles and switch and do each other's moves and um, 
oh my gosh, it was just something that we hadn't seen. And I, I, I know traditionally I don't enjoy the, the, the Greco Roman when they go and just do submissions for, for 20 minutes straight. Oh my gosh. This was so fun to watch this. Oh yeah. There, there's no downtime in this match whatsoever. And I think it's really interesting that you have the two guys in the company who are the best submission wrestlers, the guys who are known for uh, winning matches by submission going up against each other. And they are going at it so much that at one point they've clearly tired themselves out and they're doing a sort of series of back and forth roll-ups and, and uh, cover attempts. And Mike Kyoto saves a botched finish when they're you know they're rolling back and forth one two roll over one two roll over and at one point benoit is supposed to do sort of a a bridge and like lift both of them off the mat but he's so exhausted that he can't quite get all the way up and he goes one two and you can see in kyoto's face like i'm not supposed to do three here but his shoulders are still down so he kind of like leans over and like puts his hand under but he's hitting Benoit's shoulder because it's not off the match and he's like two and you can kind of hear the crowd get a little bit like dude what the fuck was that but what it is is he saved a botch finish because these guys are going at it so hard that they like tire themselves out and almost almost fuck up the finish I mean it's it's such a great match and you know if I were to in a weird way I'd put this match like it's like a bop it dude it's like they just do everything like bop it they're gonna do that twist it all right now they're doing this pull it yeah. they're just like continuously doing crazy chain wrestling and uh they're both similarly similarly built wrestlers they both don't have a neck they're both huge human beings <laughs> and they're both able to be very uh, uh flexible because they're they're they have a uh, wrestling background so you know angle can go up against anybody and benoit has that same build and i think there's about four wrestlers now that have that car you know the uh the eddie guerreros the crispin was the kurt angles and the rob van dams you know there's the the those four you put them interchangeable they can go and it's great to see and i love watching their matches and now i'm just thinking about how the the ankle lock is more of a twist it and the cross face is the pull it <laughs> so now we just got to figure out whose finisher is the bop it maybe the the tombstone pile driver is the bop it or the, you got the bop it or the, the angles the, the angle slam Oh, there you the go. Bop that it. could definitely be a problem. For sure. For sure. Uh, by the way, there's a point in this match where they've simultaneously Angle's got the ankle lock and Benoit's got the cross face in. It is so choice. Yes. It, it is. It is very choice. Uh, Meltzer also went four and a half stars on this match. So See, now Meltzer, that's correct. So you see, do you see the difference in an incorrect rating versus a correct rating? There you go, son. I also think that 13, and 50, 13 minutes and 55 seconds is a very solid uh, match time and they use mm-hmm. every second of that so yeah uh dan any uh last thoughts on this match no i just i, I loved it. it it's it saved the pay-per-view from being completely unwatchable these these last two matches agree so i agree uh looking at king of the cast i went with kurt angle brian went with kurt angle and dan went with benoit and benoit does go over i don't know if we mentioned that to begin with so uh, good stuff, and the uh, the matchup so far four and three. Brian now, unfortunately, not perfect, but still leading ahead at six and one, and Dan at four and three. So, going in, me and Dan are tied. And uh, overall, Brian, what are we looking at in terms of the record here? Because I know we got our last pay per view as well. Score wise, I just want to say this: Benoit ruining my perfect game is the worst thing he's ever done. <laughs> so, moving- <laughs> oh, I thought the Jerry Lawler comment was bad enough, but here we are. Here we are. 
Moving on to the main event. The main main event. This is the singles match for the WWE Championship. Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. So this is a weird sort of back and forth for The Undertaker where he's in the triple threat match for the title. Then he's going up against Test and now he's right back in the title match again. So the pendulum, like Blake said, just swinging back and forth. Um, this is a long, long 20 minute and 27 minute match that felt like it was 37 minutes. Well, going in, seconds. going into this match, Brian, do we have the, the, the tally results before to know? Uh, yes. Going at? into this, hold on. I have to do cause I have the final totals here. Yeah. So we just uh, might so won that technically. Yeah, but I can't remember who. Do you want me to do the math real quick? My, no, I just need to know who minus is in the right direction here. Oh, we all picked the same person. Right. Okay. So uh, so Blake would be at seven and seven. Dan would be at seven and seven. And I would be at eight and six going Ooh. into this match. So basically, we all went with Brock. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we all went with Brock so Lesnar on Brian, that. no matter what, should be the winner, right? Like, this is where we're at I mean, now. We, we, don't, with we this. don't need to spoil the surprise. Yeah, this is Blake. where we're I mean, at. We can, uh, no, we are absolutely here and talking about <laughs> it. And it's so interesting where we're going to go with this finish. Because holy shit, what are we doing? Look, the only reason we're even talking about this match is because we felt in, we felt it was inappropriate to not talk about either of the two. <laughs> like the first pay-per-view where you have two championship matches and we don't talk about either one seemed like a dereliction yeah. of duty. So we're talking about the slightly less shitty one. I don't know. I don't even know if you can really say that, but this is this is not a good match. There's just a lot of... The Undertaker just can't go anymore. I'm nope. sorry. I'm sorry. But this felt like, whereas the last, the SummerSlam main event felt like a veteran and a rookie and the veteran handing off the torch in this really great moment. This feels like when you're at a barbecue and your drunk uncle wants to convince the high school cousin that he's still better at one on one hoops. And it's just <laughs> sad. It's just fucking sad to watch. I know. That is exactly it. That's hilarious. I know that it it's hard to to play back and do card surgery on this but you know hbk having that flash in the pan match and then not being on this card i think did kind of have a a ripple effect because triple h going against rob van dam feels very much like a shoehorn match this match feels very shoehorned in because of the finish um and so just talking about lesnar and undertaker as a matchup scenario it's totally fine i you know i think both wrestlers could could probably in their heyday go uh, you know, for a, a decent uh, back and forth, but it's 20 minutes and it's just so long and it's, yeah. it's just dreadful. It's just boring. And, you know, Meltzer gave it three stars. I think that's hilariously way too overdrawn. Um, which yeah. is once, a, once again, Meltzer, just learn how to review a match. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, because- <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I know that's like telling I know that's like telling Roger Ebert learn how to review a movie. I get it, but I'm still going to fucking say it. And the thing is, much like the Triple H versus HBK match, when you have a wrestler who has physical limitations and you're allowing for the implementation of uh, weapons and props to do a lot of the work, I get that if that person can still do something. And HBK is a lot more, even with a, you know, breaking his back four years before this is still more physically capable than the, than the Undertaker is at full health. And the thing is, the prop that they use most often in the Lesnar Undertaker match is the referees. Because there's like three 
ref knockdown gimmicks and it's like oh my god we're doing this again why who cares the only other weapon you use is the belt and the in a chair and it's just a lot of standing around and waiting around and oh we're bleeding but okay great but there's not much really happening in this match and it just feels like a waste of lesnar and i can't believe i'm saying that but it really does feel like lesnar is completely wasted in this match and yeah it's just even at one point just to try to get anything out of the crowd matt hardy does a run-in yeah very strange (laughs) like you know it's 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 very much a, all right, so Lesnar, you know, not to spo- we could talk about the finish now, right? Like, if there's one thing that you sure. you want to yeah. do is you want to make the crowd go home happy, right? Usually. What I don't agree you want with. Him, you want them to go home with happy or mad? Yeah. You want them I, to go yes. home with, um, Either what's way. the word? Uh, a resolution. Yes. Yeah, you don't want them to go home confused. So yeah. even knowing that you are putting Lesnar with Undertaker because you need Lesnar to quote unquote keep the belt because he just won it, right? And you're doing the passing of the torch. You're going in going, okay, well, we know the crowd is going to know that, right? And he's going up against the Undertaker. So if the crowd thinks that Brock is going to go over the Undertaker, they got another thing coming because technically it's a double disqualification. And it's like, stop it, Okay. He's going to go over Taker. Let it fucking happen. You just put him over the fucking rock. It's fine. Yeah. Put him over Taker. It just feels like they wanted to protect Taker at the same time of yep. putting Brock in and keeping the. It's so stupid. It no, is... And it makes sense like because now that I'm thinking about it, that triple threat match was it a vengeance. Yeah. It was a triple threat match. So you technically could say that it wasn't the Undertaker that lost. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's such an ego thing. And the fact that the Undertaker thinks no one would believe that a man the size of Brock Lesnar could beat him is like an ego running wild in a way that is just incredible. Yeah. And that'll never happen again. Um, And they just don't even definitively state what the disqualification is, why the disqualification happened, who like we ended up like having to back this. No, we had to look up the results on Wikipedia to know what even fucking happened. And we watched this thing twice. Yeah. It's um, that's bad. It's just not a good way. It's not a good note at all to leave a match with and to let alone leave it as the title, the, you know, the main event on the card for the championship. It's just a slap in the face to the, the viewers, the, the people in the, the show. It's just not, it's just not resolved. And it just doesn't feel like I want to watch the next day. Like I wouldn't want to be like, Oh, now I'm excited to watch raw because of this double disqualification. It just doesn't matter anymore. You've completely, written off the fucking pay-per-view by doing that even though michael has definitively told us that we have to watch the raw that immediately follows this because we will happens we will do that but it didn't at the time watching that i wouldn't want to watch the next raw i probably would have tuned out and i probably did also as a rule don't have the best spot of the match be after the match is over just an idea um but undertaker does come out onto the ramp and throw Brock Lesnar through the stage wall that apparently was made out of paper. So it's not as Blake pointed out, not quite as good as Shane McMahon going through or going through the glass, but Undertaker does pick him up and throw him through the paper wall. And it's the by far the best spot of the whole match. And it happens right before you get the copyright WWE entertainment. See you next week or whatever. Like it's so bizarre. It is very bizarre. Yeah. And it, it happened so quickly. I, we didn't even get the chance to say what the fuck just happened. And the stage setup was interesting too. Like it had, it looked like ladders set up in a weird 
geometric shape and and a titantron way above and the unforgiven spelled out and like you said he was thrown through what like the cutouts and yeah it was kind of an elaborate setup and um mm-hmm. just not a just not a good story not good not good at all and unforgiven uh speaking of not good should we go ahead and give our bottom line here and that's the bottom line well the bottom line is brian that you've uh you are now the champion. I oh, mean, oh, we're going to crown me as king of the cast before we do bottom line? Because I'm fine with that, too. Well, I don't know if this result... Too late. And two. That's right. The first champion of the two world order is your boy, the whole damn show, Brian Shockwave Salisbury. I am so honored to be representing you and, and carrying you forward into this new era, into replay purview multipass, which is what we're doing here for the end of 2002. And and you've chosen the right champion universe. You have chosen the right champion to usher in the new format of the show. And you are welcome. I'm sorry. What do you mean chosen? This is much like what we were just complaining about, about triple H being handed the championship belt, because this match, this last match was, was going to decide if it was going to be a tie between me, you and Dan, it is almost just like, been resolved and now you've been handed the championship almost like triple h was handed the championship by bischoff yeah i can't help but notice that the numbers don't lie uh so i i'm still i'm still king of the cast so just go ahead and whatever uh, take it taker (laughs) so bottom line for Unforgiven 2002, I feel like is going to be slightly lower than SummerSlam, but Dan, I will start with you. Yeah, just a, a slight drop. Uh, I'm going to give this one a four. Um, and it was just uh, basically a big pile of steaming garbage with two really good matches in it. Uh, there was, I mean, the Eddie Guerrero and Edge match was, was, was also good, but I mean, the rest of it was so bad that it just, it, it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth for sure. Blake. I'll give it three and a half out of ten. And I'm giving that half to potentially like the Triple H and Rob Van Dam some of that match combined a little bit with like the Jericho and Flair. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just not a good pay-per-view. I would completely skip this. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have any problem just moving to the next pay-per-view. Like if we just skip this one entirely, like there's just nothing there. The Benoit and Angle match, just put it on a Raw or a SmackDown and it would have been mwah, much better. But um yeah, here we are. So, but keep having women's uh, matches. Yeah, totally. Yep. Let's keep yep. that going, please. That's that's the only reason I gave this four out of ten soup bones. And by the way, I did look up what a soup bone was because they use that term so much when the Undertaker is fighting and throwing these these punches. Apparently, soup bones are like the leftover leavings after an animal's been butchered. And what they do is they then uh, literally melt it down to make like soup broth out of it. So I still don't know how that relates to fists or punching. But that is what a soup bone is. They call it broth Lesnar. Blake, Blake, Blake. I am so proud of you right now. That was that was world-class punning right there. Congratulations, sir. I tip my hat to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. But, but of course, as I tip my hat, the crown stays on my head. But still, wanted to give you a little bit of praise for that pun. Now, here comes the stain from the soup. <laughs> 
All right. So before we wrap this up, we, of course, have to make our predictions for the next two. That's right. Two uh, pay-per-views as we continue on with the two world order. Next time we meet, we will be talking about No Mercy and Rebellion. That episode likely to be called No Merbellion. No Bellion. No more Bellion. Uh, no more Bellion for you. So let's talk about the card. Chris Jericho and Christian are going to team up and take on Booker T and Goldust. Uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Jericho and Christian. Yeah, I am as well because Goldust and Booker T just can't seem to win a match. So I'm going to go with uh, Jericho and Christian. Yeah, even though my heart is going with Booker T and Goldust, C and C for me. Uh, then we have Correct. then we have uh, ooh, looks like we have two women's matches. We have Tori Wilson versus Don Marie. Um, I don't know who Don Marie yeah. is, so I'm gonna go with Don Marie is new, and she clearly is more in the Tori Wilson, uh, uh, Tori Wilson, and uh, what's her name, long legged chick whose name is complete Tori and Stacy Keebler. Oh, Stacey Keebler. Keebler. Uh, yeah, she's more in that camp than an actual female wrestler. So this is a real who cares match for me. But I guess I'll go with Dawn Marie winning in her debut of who cares. Uh, Dawn Marie starts with a D, and so do I. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough for me. Uh, Rob Van Dam versus uh, Rick Flair. Ooh, that could be an interesting match. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Flair because that just seems like the trend here. I'm going to go RVD and just hope. Yeah, I'm just going to repeat all of Brian's answers apparently today. Gotcha. <laughs> Might be a good call because you did go quite undefeated in the last one. Uh, Jamie Noble <laughs> versus uh, Tajiri, and Jamie Noble is accompanied by Nadia. Um, I love me some Tajiri, so I'm going to go with Tajiri. I'm going with my heart versus my head. I'm going Tajiri as well. And triple, triple Tajiri. All right. right. Triple T's. Triple T's. Dan making it impossible for he and I to have any separation. I know. You're just picking so well. And if you you couldn't stand it up, if you couldn't stand it already, we're going to get some Triple H and some coffee stains with Uh, Kane. Uh, What are we doing? Guys, I have a feeling our next episode is going to be very short. I'm, like I said, guys, it's not a good card. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going Triple H because that's all I have. Yeah. I mean, Triple H goes over. So it's not for anything. So I'll, I'll throw Kane. I don't know. Maybe. Out of the side of a moving car. I good wish. job. Maybe we can hope for a double disqualification where it just ends the. Pay-per-view. All right. Here we go. Here we go. This match might a double be good. retirement. You yeah. mean? Sorry. Go ahead. So now we've taken the best match from the last card and we've decided to put them as a tag team. So we have Benoit and Angle versus Edge and Mysterio. Interesting. Could be fun. Uh, I'm going to think that. Uh, I just think that Chris Benoit and Angle are going to probably uh, turn it up here. So I'm going to go with them. I'm going Edge and Ray Ray. The Rabbit Olympian. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, Then we have another women's match on the card. And I'm not sure if any of this, I'm sure some of these are for championships. We don't have that. We'll we'll talk about that next time. Uh, Victoria versus Trish Stratus. Um, I'm going to go with the Stratosphere. Yeah, there's no way. Victoria is also new. There's no way she comes in and just takes the belt off Trish Stratus. I'm going Trish Stratus. Same. 
Same. And we're going to round it off because we love it wow, so what much. The fuck? Why are we doing this again? In time, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker for whatever fucking reason. Because now you're it's basically... Just... Uh, okay. 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 So I'm going Brock. Brian, what's Brock. your... Okay. Dan? Yep. So are we going to say who wins the match or who retains the belt? Because it's Brock. It's Brock Lesnar. Because no one may win, you know? Especially the, way the audience. The way they've done this card, no one will win. No mercy on the audience's eyes. So we have no mercy in the books uh, from a uh, pick standpoint. Now, I am dreading clicking this tab to see how far the rabbit hole is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump into this one. Okay. Uh, Matt Hardy versus Booker T. Uh, well, that could be fun. Why? Uh, why? Well, but, okay, fine. I mean, we'll, what what we just came from? I think that seems like a fairly good match. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Fair with enough, Matt man. Hardy um, because Booker T uh, made just. I don't know. He just doesn't look like he can win a match. I don't know why. I love him, but I'm going Booker T. By the way, it's listed as Brooker T in the spreadsheet here, which makes me think it's one of the desserts that Domino's offers. Ooh. Like you can get, <laughs> yeah, you can get a nice Brooker. Uh, I'm gonna go Brooker T. <laughs> okay, Dano. Same. Booker T. All right. Uh, next, Dan, why are you Darrell Revising all my picks? No separation allowed <laughs> whatsoever. I don't understand. To be fair, I tried to say that before, but then the Brooker T joke came through. Fair enough. The uh, fair enough. next match on the card, we have a little bit of an intergender tag team matchup. We got a uh, Dom Marie and John Cena. Hey, look, there's a, there's a name we haven't seen in a bit. Um, versus Billy Kidman and Tori Wilson. Now I'm uh, I'm a Cena market this time, so I'm gonna go with Dom Marie and JC. Yeah, me too. God damn it, guys. Yes, fine. Fine. Fino. Fino, <laughs> Dano. Uh, then we have a, ooh, what could be a very fun match with Crash versus Funaki. Uh, Welcome back to the show, you, both of those guys. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to go with my man Crash. I'm really hoping this is for the hardcore championship, uh, but I'm going Crash either way because that's our boy. And I will create that separation and go Funaki. How? You know what, Dan? Funaki you. Overnight <laughs> parts from Japan. Uh, JB Noble with Nadia versus Tajiri versus Rey Mysterio. Now, I Rey am Mysterio. A, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, be good. Brian, you going Ray yeah. Ray? Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to go with Tajiri uh, because I think it's not going to be given to Ray. Oh, wait a minute. This is a three-way match. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was another tag team match. Yeah, I'm still going Rey Mysterio, but that's interesting. Yes, I do think that'll be fun. Um, so what did I say? I'm I'm gonna bet that this is for the um, intercon. Oh no, uh, cruiser. No, the cruiserweight. Ooh. And what did I say? As soon as as soon as Rey Mysterio gets here, he needs to compete for the cruiserweight championship and completely redefine that division. They've already got him doing it. Now it is, of course, in a UK pay per view. So oh, who knows? This is a, so nothing matters. Doesn't this matter. doesn't matter at all. Why? Are, why even? Oh, Brian. But the one belt that could potentially change hands is the one they don't care about, and that's the cruiserweight belt. Right, Fine. Fine. Okay, the next match on the card, we got Chuck Palumbo and the big Valboski versus Devon and Ron Simmons. I'm going with Ron D- Simmons? Damn. Damn. Who was that? Damn. <laughs> uh, I'm going Damn. with Devon and Ron. I mean, I guess I'll go D-Ron as well. D-Ron. I, I mean, I can't go with Palumbo and Valboski. Neither can I. So we're all going Devon, Devron. Uh, Rikishi versus Albert. 
uh, for. So is this card made up entirely of people who just weren't busy that day? Because like, <laughs> it's, a, it's certainly like, a I'm grab sorry. bag of of card. Where did Albert come from? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Rikishi. And can he go back there? Can we put <laughs> Albert back in a camp? I mean, Rikishi, I guess. This is not fun for anybody, guys. But that's not an Albert, answer. Albert. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. I don't, I don't uh, care. Albert. <laughs> uh, now we got the, uh, what did you call it? The uh, Olympian. Olympi- the Rabbit Olympian. Yes, the Rabbit Olympian. God, love it. Uh, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle versus the Los Guerreros. Oh, this uh, is Eddie the and tag Chavo. team title match. That looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to go Los Guerreros. Uh, I guess I will go with uh, Benoit and Angle. Guerreros. Los Guerreros. And to main event, we have Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Sorry, it's a UK <laughs> yeah, pay-per-view UK and he's the champion. So. It says Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman versus Edge. Now I hope to God it's a 2 Paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah, oh, like Paul Heyman. We're all going with Brock because we aren't dumb and Gentlemen, that's going to round out the uh, King of the Cast picks for the next episode. I'm very excited. I do think this episode went really well from a perspective of getting through some shit. And we're going to get through some more shit. And I can't wait for that. Guys, I think the next uh, the next episode is just going to be a recap. It's like, here's the matches here and how it turned out. And this is the... <laughs> we're just not <laughs> going to cover King it at all. We're just not going to cover it at all. We're just going to go speed right through <laughs> Awesome. Guys, if you're listening to this, you can find all of our back episodes on your favorite podcatcher, and you can follow us on your favorite social media platform at Replay Preview, and you can go to patreon.com slash junkfoodcinema if you want to financially support the show. Uh, in return, you do get ad-free versions of the episodes as, long, as well as some bonus content. We greatly appreciate that, but uh, until we get to the next episode of No Merbellion, I think it's time to go home in this new two-world order. Let's take it home! Let's go home home because it's the two world order. Yeah.